if you're going to be developing or adopting new things or trying to learn how to vet uh, early stage companies for relationship with, how do you do it through the lens that you wake up with every morning, you as a consumer, and not the lens that starts at 7.45, 8.15, 9 o'clock when you go through the front door of the building. Now you're an employee. And we forget what it means to be a consumer. Welcome to the Innovator's Edge podcast, where we will discuss a variety of innovation topics, and especially those that we think are essential elements of an effective innovation program, and ones that we feel insurance industry companies are bound to encounter. We are the principals of IE Advisory, an insurance innovation consulting firm. I'm Paul Winston. I'm Wayne Allen. And I'm Guy Fraker. So to uh, kick things off, today's topic is what makes an effective innovation strategy? And we, we recently ran an informal survey of insurance companies that showed that while most companies did regard innovation as a priority to varying degrees, 30% did not have a defined innovation strategy, which got us thinking. Did they really not have a game plan or goal? Did they maybe not understand the question or the term? Because maybe innovation strategy means different things to different people. So to kick things off for today's conversation, what is a defined innovation strategy? I think this is an absolutely fascinating topic to take up because, of course, we have to think back, by and large, to where the insurance industry was, uh, say, three to four years ago, where most of the innovation taking place was handling a string of catastrophes and, and being very innovative in capital management if we think back on those days, was that a separate strategy? And I think we'd all agree that it was part of the core. Then you get into this era of disruption with insure techs and companies coming up with new business models. And it still raises the question, I think is an innovation strategy as a standalone document standalone set of practices um, are we still at a point where that separation is necessary um, I, I think by and large there was a giant wake-up call with am best giving the industry a much needed heads up that being innovative being willing to take risk and try new things is just the way things are from here on out. That kicked off a flurry of activity that seemed to be separate innovation strategies. Well, like I what? Think, Can you give an, what's an example? Um, well, so companies who have set up small teams or set up laboratories or are investing through uh, either their own or, or other existing incumbent venture capital firms all operating somewhat outside or parallel to uh, keeping the wheels on the bus every day. Of course, the more companies integrate that activity and start to gain success, you would hope, I think, that the innovation strategy would just become a subset 
of an overall corporate strategy, but it does have to be treated differently. And uh, that's, I think, where a lot of com companies are somewhat stumbling. Well, I think that's, that's an interesting point, right? So to me, innovation strategy must support the overall core business strategy. If it doesn't, you end up with competing priorities and business units are doing different things in different directions. Um, if, you know, so once you understand that, at least in my world, the innovation strategy must support the overall core strategy, then it gets down to a question of how are we going to marshal resources um, so that all those resources are aligned toward a, a common destination. Uh, so, you know, you wouldn't necessarily run an innovation program the way you would run your normal core business, but all of the, all of the units have to be aligned, at least in my, my thinking, toward that, 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 that's, that constant or that defined destination. How, how do you feel about that, Guy? Oh, I, I would agree. It's easy to sound like uh, we're being critical when companies treat an innovation strategy like digital transformation or change management. Um, in other words, when it's treated as another expense item as opposed to an investment item uh, with expected returns. If we all three reflect back on how many times a company has said, we want to become a more innovative culture before they've said, we want to innovate to grow. Mm -hmm. So right. in that would in that would hint at and we've seen it play out uh treating it as another expense item so when uh things have to get pulled back in and there's across the board expense cuts that ends up applying to an innovation practice whereas if it if your innovation strategy is to grow first and Whatever happens to the culture is a byproduct, a positive byproduct from winning at the growth game. Now you start to internalize treating innovation as an investment in the future of the company, not as an expense item, and then don't necessarily blanket innovation efforts with the same expense cuts as, say, other areas of the business. And it's just so my point being, it's largely not the nuances that separate innovation work from all the other work are generally not deeply understood because they've not been experienced. It's not a criticism, it's human nature. Right, so you know, given that, who sets the innovation strategy, right? If we all buy the notion that innovation strategies generally support the overall core strategy, from whence does the innovation strategy get pronounced? Well, I think um, what we've, I mean, what's generally accepted practice, and I think um, also a double-edged sword, kind of a quandary, is when that, you know, there's a proclamation made or a declaration made among a CEO or C-suite, that corporate leadership team, that we are going to figure out this innovation game, or we are going to innovate. And the, that's great because you have to have that commitment at the top if you're going to push the boundaries on doing something different. At the same time, 
I think what we've discovered in many of our assessments and engagements is that that declaration alone doesn't necessarily always reflect 100% commitment, not because people have one foot in the door and one foot out of the door, but because innovation causes you to experience things that, that most companies are not prepared for because they've never been through it. And so there's a lot of constructive conflict that has to take place and resolve itself in true innovation work. Yeah, you just, the top's got to commit almost, and I know how unrealistic this sounds, but the commitment almost has to be, come what may, we are going to see this through. It's hard to execute on that, but it's, to me, it's a, lot easier to, it's a lot easier to set that postmark out there in the future and say, hey, we're going to go there, come what may, than it is to say, hey, we, we want to we innovate. That is not a strategy. We want to innovate is not a strategy. We want to innovate to that postmark. That's, that's a strategy. Right, and there you can align your resources. You can marshal your resources. You can all marshal the troops and head toward a destination. You could motivate people toward that destination because you got a common goal. Does that make sense? I mean, absolutely. So uh, we could put a finer point on it. Without, of course, we're not going to go into any client details. But one thing we experienced firsthand was uh, we're going to innovate subject to these brick walls that we're not going to run into turned out to be very different once we just added a couple of words we're going to innovate taking into consideration into consideration these brick walls we can't run into in order to grow one billion dollars of revenue within 10 years now i frankly am a firm believer that if you are an insurance company of a thousand people and a million dollars of premium, that's achievable. If you are an insurance company of 30,000 associates and $50 billion, well, a billion dollars is that really going to move the needle over time, over a 10 year period. And so it's interesting how these different goals, but just that uh, affect how these different goals affect a person's outlook. So, Guy, I'm wondering your opinion on whether there needs to be an actual document that outlines the innovation strategy and helps the organization to communicate it internally or, or, or outside the organization, or is it just we've set a plan and, and that's sufficient? You know, Paul, it's a really good question, and it's one that people just generally don't think to raise. Um, and it's, it, the answer lies in how innovation is distinct from other activities. So uh, a, a strategy document can be as simple or as elaborate as a company wants to make it, but it is essential to have an innovation uh, strategy document for three basic reasons. One, it is a sign of consensus support as it's socialized and and various corporate leaders sign off on it. The fact that we are going to be active in innovation and here's what we can expect um, makes it all very real. So it's just an essential part of getting commitment. Number two, it's a very important communication tool. 
a lot of business plans, you know, we can debate how much they're actually used after they're written. But in an innovation strategy document, it definitely becomes a part of the fabric of the organization. Having an important uh, agreed upon communication tool like that sends a very profound message to a workforce who may quite frankly be a little skeptical, um, but it can also be shared with vendors, suppliers, et cetera, to present a roadmap for the area of focus, how the company is going to innovate, why they're going to innovate, and those are all profoundly important messages. And third reason is, unlike a lot of, let's take corporate planning. Corporate planning takes place, say, in the fall for the following year. It's all theory until the beginning of the year. Innovation documents, innovation strategy documents get built as you execute. The only way to really be successful in innovation is to dive in and just act. Never going to act perfectly, shouldn't expect to act perfectly, but nothing in innovation is set in concrete. You can always adjust. But in order to complete that document, you have to answer fundamental questions like, what's your area of focus going to be? What is the market you're looking at? What technologies are you interested in? And just the mere act of answering those questions, which typically takes facilitation, some, you know, an outside voice, but the mere act of answering those questions gets woven into the innovation strategy document. So unlike other strategies, you are building as you go, it's living as you go, and it reflects both uh, history of the steps you were gonna take and then the next steps so that people are not surprised. So Guy, in your view, what is the difference or is there a difference between a strategy statement, if you will, and an execution plan? Because I think it goes to how long a document is, right? A statement could be a couple of sentences or a sentence. Um, if you're combining a strategy statement with an execution plan, that could be, you know, many, many multiple pages. Yes, and I've seen um, innovation strategy documents in the five to six page range, um, and in one case, 63 pages. You're on a very focused, important point because in innovation strategy, they're one and the same. You can study and write anything down that does not make you innovative. If you're completing the steps as you go and it's a living, breathing document that is constantly being updated as you answer critical questions and have key learning experiences, your strategy document is your action document. Again, innovation in an incumbent corporate environment only gets achieved by literally throwing your hands up and saying, okay, we're just going to act. Now having the right partner, the right advisor, the right um, team is important, but when somebody decides we're going to put together this document and we're going to act as we go, they've crossed the starting line on something that could represent billions of dollars of revenue. So how do you identify where to start? I mean, so you, you, you just, you know, it, whether it ends up being a sentence or five pages or 63 pages, what, what's the first thing? What's the first element? Well, done, I mean, done well, the first element is to take inventory, take stock 
among, you know, key corporate leaders um, as to what, you know, they have an interest in. What do they think their company should be looking at? Where do they feel like they can leverage their strengths? I've never met an incumbent company that had confidence they could be an innovator when they first start. So it's important to start with, you know, maybe it's uh, robotics, maybe it's uh, micro insurance, maybe it's the gig economy and the small business insurance for the person of one. But picking a place to start and that is based on the interests of the people in charge is is the best place to start and then you have to set you know a goal you have to create an expectation for a return and those typically feel aspirational at first and then within a year most of the time they're adjusting that goal up not down depends on the time horizon that's all it takes when the other part uh, of the answer to your question, there's an important step that you almost slide into, and it's a major aha in an, when you're putting together an innovation strategy. And it's this question. Once you start generating revenue back into the company, what do you want to do with it? Are you going to reinvest it in the innovation process? Is it going to go into the general budget? It's amazing how answering that question all of a sudden inspires a sense of reality to the success that a company can have. So if I understand you, we definitely need an innovation strategy document, but doesn't necessarily have to be something that's in place, written, and you know, all, all buttoned up before we actually get started. Is that right? I, there's a really great case study. Okay, um, that should that anybody who's ever wanted to be more innovative in a corporate culture, or a leader who wants to innovate, see their company be win in innovation, should take heart and take confidence in. Uh, there's this uh, payroll online payroll company, operated successfully, grew out of nowhere. Uh, had a major brand, and as soon as that major brand and the revenue kicked in, then now there's something to protect, and they started to pull back their horns. We had this 25-year-old programmer who got the attention of two senior executives who were in their early 60s that said, we should actually be helping people manage their money by consolidating all of their financial information. Now, in order to do that, we have to get the passwords, their account numbers, all the most sensitive financial data, and they're gonna to have to give us access. And understandably, the corporate culture and corporate leadership team in this payroll, tax, payroll and payroll tax company looked at them like they'd grown two heads. Are you nuts? Even with our brand, which we're not willing to put at risk. Well, every year for three years, these three people brought this forward, just kept hammering and chipping away until finally the parent company said, you guys are done. We told you, you bring this up again, it's a career decision, see ya. But here's a caveat. We're gonna give you a sizable severance bonus and assume you're going to garage this 
And if it works, if you can make this crazy idea work, we get the first right of refusal to buy it back. So when Intuit was faced with buying mint.com back from these three guys for, I believe it was $65 million, which at the time, we're going back 10 years. But you think now quickly reverse engineer the multiples and all of, all of those things. It might have actually been close to twice that. I don't have the number right in front of me. Three guys went yeah. out and created 100 million, 200 million dollar revenue stream in five years by convincing people, me being one of them, to give up their passwords, give up their account numbers, and consolidate all the different accounts. And they would send you critical data to manage your money. Boom, it went viral with no brand recognition. And they retired officially, even the 25 year old, uh, when Intuit had to exercise, chose to exercise that option and they bought Mint back. That's what innovation strategies don't contemplate. Corporate innovation is treated like corporate change management. Cast of thousands, everybody needs to be involved. If we leave anybody out, we're not going to change the culture. No. Lou Gerstner reinvented IBM with two guys in a basement he used to meet with secretly in a restaurant. Mint.com. How many people founded Microsoft? Three. How many people founded Facebook? Two. And what we've seen time and time and time again, and oh, by the way, all of those are college dropouts. <laughs> what we've seen along the way is there's a natural tendency to be willing to hear what you know, and that is a change management language. If you are innovating to grow, you need three people, a moderate budget, a willingness to collaborate, and you cross the starting line when you decide you're going to do it. Again, I understand how this sounds. Come what may with a defined goal. You're, on, you're off to the races. I've seen innovation strategies be three pages, starting out. If, you, if we're gonna execute on an innovation strategy, focus first and foremost on the human side of innovation, the human condition. What causes people to say that'll never happen? Number two, you have to build constraints. You have to, set very well-defined boundaries, everybody understands. That's the step most often missed. Number three, understand that there is gonna be trial and error, but you're not doing this to learn how to do it. You're doing this to grow the company, period. Yeah, I think that's a big one. Right, I mean, at the end of the day, the whole goal behind an innovation strategy is to create value, right? To create value for your customers, to, to, to capture a share of that value for yourself, and to keep innovating so that you're constantly pushing the envelope of, of creating more and more and more value for your customers and then for yourself. If you're not in that, if you don't have that investment mindset that you're doing this to create value, then it's way too easy to dismiss 
the expense or to cut, make, make different or to make deeper cuts to the expense. You just have the wrong mindset. I think that's, that's one of the key things, Guy, that you've pointed out here. Well, there's an exercise, you know, we've taken some companies through where we'll take a group of people who are either leading or responsible for the tactics of innovation. And we'll give them three pictures and ask them to write three short stories about the people in the pictures. And one of the things that comes out of that pretty consistently is the difference between an entrepreneur and a corporate entrepreneur. So in a lot of innovation strategies and in large corporate cultures, their definition of focusing on that consumer need you just mentioned, Wayne, focusing on the change in the marketplace is receiving data from the strategy department or their consumer research division. An entrepreneur is in a coffee shop showing somebody an embarrassing mock-up, crafting their story, tell, explaining to people what they're trying to do, and then asking if it's a value. And because, because most, you know, it's just, again, it's the human nature side. We don't know what we want or need if we've never seen it. Ask Apple. So it's that kind of mindset, that's a key defining difference. Again, in an innovation strategy, if you're going to be developing or adopting new things or trying to learn how to vet uh, early stage companies for relationship with, how do you do it? through the lens that you wake up with every morning, you as a consumer, and not the lens that starts at 7.45, 8.15, 9 o'clock when you go through the front door of the building. Now you're an employee. And we forget what it means to be a consumer. Uh, so re the, uh, this defining difference in an innovation strategy is how are you going to focus on solutions that matter for consumer segment. How do you stay focused on the consumer segment? Not what the company needs, not what the company wants, but providing that value you talked about, Wayne, in a way that resonates and as a almost, well, not as a byproduct, of course, it's the primary goal, but as a result generates not something new to the market, but something new that scales in a way that moves the needle on an existing economic base the size of an average insurer. Yeah, you know, we kind of begin to wrap this thing up. You know, Paul, at the beginning, you talked about the, the survey that we did and, and that 30% of the respondents didn't feel like they had a defined innovation strategy. You know, one of the things that the three of us have been talking about over the last week or so is, you know, that, that's true with respect to that 30%, but do the other 70% um, who think they have an innovation strategy or they think they've created priorities around it, do they actually have an innovation strategy? Does it support the overall core strategy? And do they have the processes and the, the kind of the marshalling of resources, you know, elements that guys spoke about a while ago, to actually be successful, do they ask the right questions around their innovation strategy so that that, that strategy has a chance of being executed upon um, 
and I think sometimes and we've talked about it just generally here, people don't know what they don't know. And, and I think a lot of the folks who have stated innovation strategies, they actually don't have an innovation strategy. Um, they've got a wish to move into AI. They've got a wish to track and be aware of what's happening. They, you know, they're doing a lot of things, but they're not really, they're not creating value. That's for sure. They're not moving affirmatively on a step-by-step, uh, in a step-by-step process to create that value. Um, so we want to make sure that our audience understands that the reason, one of the key reasons we wanted to do this podcast was to address what a strategy is, that who should lead the strategy effort and what that strategy should be uh, dedicated to accomplish. I would just add that, you know, with the most successful engagements on behalf of clients, one of the things that I always found interesting in each of those cases was a CEO who needed to be reassured, understandably, uh, a couple times a year, are you sure nobody's doing this? Do we really get a chance to own this market or create it? Are you sure we're out in front? And it wasn't a question about how the future was going to play out in a technology bucket or with the consumer segment or with the interaction of some sea change technology with, with consumers. It was about did we really catch this first? Are we really onto something that is going to, that we have time to ramp up and move on? And of course our answer is always, if you, you know, we've established what it is you want to accomplish, we've established the area of the market. So yes, stay the course. Don't slow down. Don't let the gremlins come out of the woodwork, but stay the course. The reason I go into that way, and Paul, is simply this. It is human nature to be more afraid of what you're missing than what you're doing. So when a company decides to do something in AI, quite often their concentration is on the other 14 technology buckets, big data, analytics, what have you, that they're not choosing. And that slows down putting a flag on the ground and moving. The key with innovation is not to, again, using the analogy, plant your flag perfectly and then move. It is to plant the flag because nothing lasts forever. You can always adjust and give up this fear about what you're missing and focus on what you're choosing to create. That's hard. That's real hard. We get it. But that is, that is one of the most fundamental realities of being successful at innovating for the long haul. I think that's well said. And, and it also that, that bit about not planting the flag perfectly is illustrated by your Intuit example. It's like you've got to give yourself the flexibility for your innovation to evolve, to grow, maybe to move in a different direction. Cause there's a lot of it's unknown as you set out. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, at the end of the day, and this is what this, I mean, this is where the great joy resides in what we 
what the three of us, what the advisor gets to do. Um, I know it sounds selfish, but when you see a small team or a company or a C-suite have that, oh my God, we did it. We figured it out moment when going into it, they're one of their top three concerns was that they're not an innovative company, that they don't have the skill sets, that their workforce is going to be skeptical. And those moments come when leaders have the opportunity to sit down and learn what they're going to face over the coming months. If, if executives know in advance what it is they're going to experience, it's inevitable. Then you can take all of these huge mountains and turn them into speed bumps in advance. And that's, you know, and we help navigate that all leading up to that first, oh man, we are onto something. And the whole confidence around innovation changes in that moment. And, uh, you know, that's what effective innovation strategies lead to is that first aha moment where the winds start to take over more importance than the risk. All right. Thank you, Guy. Thanks, Wayne. Uh, and thank you in the audience for joining us for today's podcast. If you have any questions or comments about what you heard, or if you have an innovation challenge or question that you would like us to address in a future podcast, please reach out to us at ieadvisory.com or email us at info at Thank you.